0: Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, that we can look unto you for all things, God. You're our great Lord and Savior, our King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus, we ask you to bless the word to our hearts and lives here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. And uh, you may be seated. God bless you here today. Amen. There is a lot of things happening, as you know, in, uh, in the world. And our subject that we are following right now is the things that are coming on the earth. And uh, let me move some things around here where they won't be in my way. And uh, I want to mention a few things that I mentioned to you here If you recall uh, two weeks ago, not last week, but the week before that, uh, we talked to you about things in the book of Revelation. Uh, We mentioned to you that uh, the the right to judge mankind was uh, handed to Jesus Christ by God, not a separate person, but a separate manifestation of God or a different manifestation. That's recorded in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. It speaks of Jesus Christ in a symbolic term. It speaks of him being as the lamb slain that went before he who sat on the throne and received the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. It was God as almighty God, creator and father of all creation, giving the right to judge mankind unto himself as the savior, Jesus Christ. That, that is the manifestation of God in flesh in this world and what he went through to suffer. Uh, He suffered greatly at the hands of man and therefore he is also our redeemer and consequently he will also be our judge. I gave you a little illustration last week about the lawyer who saved the boy and then later was his judge and he judged him. Jesus Christ is that way today, but we know him as a savior only and the world knows him only as a savior, but he will one day be a judge. So what we looked at our, our first week we looked at Jesus Christ as uh, the judge and he took a book out of the right hand who, of him who sat on the throne that had seven seals. The book was a book of judgment that was given unto him. And he began to break the seals. And we talked about the breaking of the seals. It's recorded in the sixth chapter of the book of uh, Revelation. If you'll turn there with us for just a moment. Uh, the sixth chapter we talked about the horseman uh, who went forth, the they call the four, four horsemen of the book of Revelation. And uh, the, the white horse represented a false peace. The red horse represented war. The black horse represented a great famine that was coming on the earth. And then the pale horse that followed, the last, represented death by all of these things, wars, famines, uh, many things that will come on the earth following a devastation of wars and things that will happen in this sixth chapter. And then it goes on to say that one fourth of the world population was killed. One fourth of the world population. This is all recorded in the uh, sixth chapter. There is one point that it says, Touch not the oil and the wine. And we mentioned to you that represented the rich. The rich would be spared the first go around. But then, down in, uh, further on, down in the 12th verse of chapter six, we talked about the sixth seal. And uh, how that when that was broken, that there was a great earthquake. And then the rich, the free and the bond and the kings and all went and hid themselves in caves and in the rocks and cried unto the Lord that these rocks would not, you know, not fall on them and so forth. Not a big earthquake, a severe earthquake. And then it ends chapter six by saying, uh, for the great day of his wrath is coming, who shall be able to stand? Okay. Uh last week we talked to you about uh if you and I live for God and serve the Lord uh we will go in the rapture. Uh the, to go in the rapture you must repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus name. You have to be in Christ. And the only way we are in Christ is be, be to be baptized in his name. The Bible says be baptized washing away all your sins. The Bible talks about how the baptism is uh, the washing away of our sins. And then Not with the water, but with the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins in the form of baptism. And so when we're baptized, our sins are washed away. And then we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, which will give us that power to go in the rapture when Jesus comes back. The Bible says uh, that uh, if that spirit that was in Christ dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. It will quicken your body at the last trump. And so these are all found in the uh, book of uh, First Corinthians. I forgot what chapter it is. But anyhow, it tells us about these events and these things that were, I'm sorry, Romans. It is Romans chapter. It all comes back to in chapter 8, I think. It all comes back to. And so uh, it tells us that we must be in Christ. And we talked to you about last week about being in Christ and being ready for the rapture. And we gave you a lot of scriptures concerning the rapture. So that you understand that the dead and the alive in Christ will rise to meet the Lord in the air. And how that we will be like Christ. We do not yet know how we should be, but we should be like him. We talked to you about that and gave you a lot of scripture. And that just as Jesus Christ rose from the dead after he was crucified, uh, we which die in the Christ or go on to be with the Lord in that fashion, uh, our bodies will be resurrected again just as Jesus' body was resurrected. Now some people do not believe in the physical body resurrection, but the Bible teaches that the body is the only thing that does die. So if there's going to be a resurrection, it has to be the body. So it's, but it's not a resurrected, the corruptible, the corruptible shall put on incorruption as First Corinthians 15 states. So the body, praise the Lord, is changed. We do not yet know how we shall appear. We'll be like him. We shall be changed and made into his glorious body. Jesus Christ, when He died, He was three days in the grave. His body saw no corruption. The Bible state prophesied that in the Old Testament, states that also in the New Testament. But our bodies, praise the Lord, will see corruption, but it shall be changed. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up. And <clears throat> some people believe what's called soul sleeping. They believe that whenever you die, <clears throat> you, you your, your soul remains in the body until the resurrection. But the Bible also uh, proves otherwise that theory uh, or whatever you want to call it. uh, Because the Bible says that we go back to the Lord who gave the soul and spirit. The Bible says we're body, soul, and spirit. Our spirit is our life. Our soul is our person. And our body is the outward house that we are in. And so the Bible says we're body, soul, and spirit. So when we rise to meet the Lord in the air, praise the Lord, our soul and spirit that will have been with the Lord in paradise and I won't go into that because that's a great teaching of its own. It's so a full lesson. But it will be reunited with the body and it will be rise in the resurrection. This is the hope of the resurrection and that the church has all based on scripture and all uh, in that form. Now, I, and I've said all that to say that the rapture down today, I'm going to emphasize, will precede. The rapture will precede the tribulation. In other words, the the tribulation and the judgments of God that's coming on the earth and those four horsemen, this is in the sixth chapter and so forth. The rapture will happen before that. The rapture is the next major event to happen on the face of the earth. And that's why when Jesus went away, he told his disciples, look for my coming. That's what you look for. It's gonna come, it's gonna happen. Look for it, look for it, look for it. And then we have been looking as a church We have been looking for it now for some 2000 years, but the Lord says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years in one day. So to God, 2000 years is just a a couple of days, you know, as far as he is concerned. It also mentions about our generation rising and I won't get into the factor about the generation, but uh, let me just say this today. I wanna talk to you a little bit here this morning about uh, why uh, we believe that the tribulation, that the rapture is a pre-tribulation uh, event. Before I do that, I want to read a verse of scripture. Now, many of you may have picked up on this. In the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, you remember I read the breaking of the seals, the first seal, the second seal, first seal, white horse, second seal was the, uh, was the red horse. The third seal was the black horse. And then the fourth seal was, the, was death. And the one-fourth of the world population destroyed. And then the ninth verse talks about the fifth seal. Now, we have deliberately skipped that section. I'm going to talk to you about that right now. Everybody with me? All right. So if you have your Bibles, look at chapter 6 of Revelation, verse 9. And this is the fifth seal now. We're going back to week before last when we talked about these four seals. And finally, the fifth seal. When he had opened the fifth seal, this is Jesus now opening those seals on that book of judgment. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So here we have people who are slain in the tribulation period. And you said, Brother Byers, I'm speaking as you would say to me, and, you're, and I'm saying now that the rapture takes place before the tribulation. Now we've got people here who are being, are being killed. For the word of God, the testimony they hold after the tribulation. You understand what I'm saying? And they are told that they would wait until the others should be killed as they were. And so who are they? In chapter 7, verse 9, we read about that group. This is what it says, 7, 9. We jump ahead to, to pick up this part of it. After this, I beheld a lo a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, Gentiles, Gentiles, notice that stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and round the elders of the four beasts and fell before the throne and their faces worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? And here's what the 14th verse is. And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. So these are the tribulation martyrs, both the sixth chapter and also in the seventh chapter. And you're saying, Brother Myers, that this is not the church. This is not the church. Because God hath not appointed the church to his wrath, and the wrath is spelled out in the last verse of chapter 6. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who should be able to stand? Yet these people are martyred. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about these people that are the so-called tribulation saints. Before I do, let me just talk to you a little bit about why God has not appointed us to the wrath, and then I'll tell you who these people are. And I'll tell you a little bit about why you want to be in the rapture. Let me just say this, folks, if you're not ready to go in the rapture, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, get ready. I'm telling you, the time's coming. I have not looked at the news today, but somebody told me that there was another report that North Korea's launched another missile this morning. Is is that right? Is that I heard that? It was the last night? Huh? Bomb oh, a hydrogen, they tested a hydrogen bomb. Is that right? This is North Korea, okay. Something very serious. Enough to make us concerned. Somebody that's got missiles and can send inter- intercontinental missiles around halfway around the world and they have the hydrogen bomb and their leader is a little wacko. You know, I'm just being honest. I mean, the guy is he's just daredevil acting. You know, that's enough to make the whole world concerned. It is. And I'm just saying to all of you here today if you're not saved, it's time to get saved. Praise the Lord. The Bible said that Israel would be scattered throughout the whole world for two days. The third day, he'd raise them up. Well, that happened in 70 AD. So, and of course, it followed the, the crucifixion of Christ. It was the Jews. The Lord scattered them for two days. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. We know that Israel has been scattered more than two twenty-four 24-hour days. Those are dispensational days. So here it is, 2017. We're into that third millennium, are we not? So I'm just pointing that out to you here that it is time, it is time for the Lord to come back. It's time for his judgments to begin to fall and he says, when you begin to see these things come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So we're seeing all of these things developing in the world. And as we see them developing in the world, I want you to know that it's time for us to get ready to meet the Lord because the Lord is going to catch his people home. And I'm not going to go over that part about the rapture again, because we talked about it last week, but the Lord will simply catch us away in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. It will happen. It happened just like that, and I'm going to prophesy here this morning and say the day after the rapture, this church will be packed out. People praying, trying to get a hold of God, trying to find the Lord, because the the Bible says two will be in the field, one taken, one left; two will be in the bed, one taken, one left; two will be working will be working in the, grinding their meal, one will be taken, one will be left. That's the rapture. God will take one, and he'll leave the other. And when the day after the rapture, people that miss the rapture are going to say, oh my God, you know, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. And so I'm just saying today is the day of salvation. And after the rapture, it becomes a time of judgment. However, there is a a place where God does give a space here for some of those, for some, and I'll talk to you in a minute about that. I'm going to pass this handout to you. It's called, While the Rapture Will Be a Pre-Tribulation Event. It'll happen. These are some Uh, I'm going to have these ushers pass these out to you, and this is what we're going to be showing you here on the overhead, this paper right here. Everybody see that? (laughs) There it's coming up. All right. You cannot see that, I know. I'm aware of it, but you can see the area that I may be referring to and that's why the trip will be, and you have the paper in your hand. That's why I'm giving those out because I realize this is done. One day, we're going to break down and just buy a real powerful overhead here that'll really give you, you know, show you these things. Praise the Lord. And uh, I want you to look with me in these notes here. And uh, the very uh, first number here, we have number one. And when you get your paper, you'll see that. The scriptures teach that the church is not appointed to wrath. Now, I just read that scripture to you in Revelation 6.17. That's the last verse that you will see at the end of that second line. The 6.17, I'm pointing to it up here so you'll know about where it is on your paper. But that is the scripture saying that the wrath of God is coming. in that sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. Let's talk about how the church is not appointed. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9... I want you to look at this verse for a moment. This is one uh, that all of you should have a ring around it in your Bible or something. It says, for, the, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not appointed to wrath. I'm talking about the church now. And in conjunction with that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. This is going back uh, four chapters in your Bible. Just move back to... Uh, First Thessalonians chapter one, verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, I mean, sorry, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Speaking of the salvation that we have received from him, it has delivered us from the wrath to come. Look in Romans 5, 9. This is another verse and I seldom ever use it, but it's one that's worthy of being noticed. It concerns the same subject. Uh, this is uh, the ninth verse of chapter five in Romans, and it says, "Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him." So everybody get the picture here that God has not appointed us to wrath or we shall be saved from the wrath of God to come. And then when you read in Revelation 6:17, it says, "The wrath of God has come." So the rapture has to be before, before that Revelation chapter six period of time. This is our number one that we're looking at. Now go to number two here on your paper, if you will look at that with us very quickly. And I'm just quoting verses of scripture here. And first number two, the days prior to the coming of the Lord are described by Jesus as being similar to Noah's day prior to the flood. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. This is the way it's described in Matthew twenty-four thirty-eight. Matthew twenty-four thirty-eight. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving away, and marrying and giving in marriage, and so forth. And uh, it's in your scriptures there. It's also in your Bible. Let me read this as, as it's recorded here in Matthew, starting with chapter twenty, chapter twenty-four, and verse thirty-seven. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. I'm in Matthew here, 24, 37, verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. But you see, notice here that Noah was put in the ark before the floods came. He's put in there. And uh, he was a type of the church that was saved before the judgments of God came. And then verse 40 says, then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two, uh, two women should be grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left, so forth. And uh, so we read that to you last week. And then of course, Luke seventeen twenty-eight speaks about Lot. Luke 28, 17. And uh, we mentioned that to you, I think last week as well. And verse... Uh, Luke 17 in the verse 28 says, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. If you remember reading about Lot in that 18th chapter, 19th chapter of the book of Genesis, how the angels went there and said, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the son of man is revealed. So what we're pointing out to you here is that Jesus Christ comes back for his church, takes us out, just like Lot's family was brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the fire of God fell. And uh, if you recall, the two angels that brought them out had to rush them up. And they said, come on, get ready. This was early on that morning, in that morning, Lot was still sleeping, he was jogger headed. Come on, Lot, get up, get up, get, go, go on. You gotta go, we gotta go. And God will not send a judgment until you do go. It's time for the judgments to fall and we got to get out of here. And the judgments would not fall as long as they were there because God had already pronounced that they would be delivered. So God delivers the righteous prior to the judgment. That does not mean that God does not allow us to go through persecution. You understand? The judgments of God is one thing. The persecutions by man is something else. See, the church will be persecuted, he, and the Lord said that. Just as I've been persecuted, you will be persecuted. And we know from the early church that many of them, you know, were persecuted and even killed and so forth. Uh, and we saw that even in the Dark Ages, in the Middle Ages, that members of the church were killed. But they were, that was persecution from man. And the Bible even talks about how they were not delivered from death and they may have a better resurrection. People who die in those situations have a better resurrection, a good resurrection, I guess you'd say, everything. But what I am pointing out to you is that that's not the judgments of God. That is man's persecution. So we're not exempt from that. There's Christians today, in foreign countries that are, that are killed. You know, we saw some of that where the ISIS killed a bunch of Christians. I don't know what degree of Christianity. I do know this. I do know this. Uh, We know this by our missionaries who have visited us, that in that city, one of those main cities that ISIS was in control of in northern Iraq, uh, right across the, the Tigris River from where old ancient Nineveh is. I forgot the name of the city, Mosul. Mosul, I think it is. Mosul. City of Mosul. Mosul. I do know that we had a apostolic Jesus name baptized, Holy Ghost filled church there, people uh, numbered 600 people there in that city. And, but it was so low keyed and quiet because it's a Muslim country. So they're very low key. We've had missionaries stand here that, were from the, that was over there and worked in that area and said, they are there, they live for God and they serve the Lord, but you don't we'll ever hear a big broadcast about it. A lot of things folks you don't hear, but it happens. Because God, praise the Lord, is looking out for his people. I'm going to give you some more stuff here too. So God delivers Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at number three here on your your notes. Look at number three. I've referred to these before, but let me just refer to it here again. The obvious lesson taught by Jesus is that God delivers his people before he unleashes judgments on a place, not during or after. Examples of this are, and here's some examples I'm going to give you, the Christians who left Jerusalem in obedience to the words of Jesus in Luke 21:20, 20, prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, they were not killed because they obeyed the words of the Lord and they fled out of Jerusalem. Look in uh, Luke 21, uh, you're in 18 there, just turn over a few chapters if you're in your Bible. Look at 21 and verse 20. This is a description of the destruction of Jerusalem that the Romans would, would bring upon Jerusalem that did happen in 70 AD. Jesus spoke of this about, about 30 AD. 30 AD is when he was prophesying about this. And Jesus was referring to this. And then he talked about how that this read. Look at verse 21. And then he says here, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in the countries thereof enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. That is concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and this time of desolation for the Jews and them being scattered. And so this was a prophecy of the Lord told. And uh, he said, let them flee. Now here's what happened. This was, uh, this, I don't know, Jesus spoke of this 30, about 30 AD. Along about 68 AD, they took James, who was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem and the Jews killed him. And uh, so this was uh, the, the son of Mary and Joseph. He was a sort of a half brother, we can call it that, or earthly half brother of Jesus. But it was James, the pastor. Very, he wrote the book of James in the Bible. Very smart guy, very brilliant guy. And uh, he was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem. That church in Jerusalem was numbered nearly 10,000 people uh, in time. It just grew and grew and everything. And they began to scatter around. And at one time, 5,000 later, it grew in nearly 10,000 people. And then in 68 AD, after James was killed, the people began to see the Roman army coming into Northern Palestine, working their way down. And and the Lord said, when you see armies come past about, then flee the city. And they went to a city called Pella. Pella was north of Jerusalem on the east side of the Jordan River, what is called today the country of Jordan. It was, no, it was not Jordan then, but it was an Israel, it was a Israelite or neutral area. They went to Pella and these Jews, they all began to go there so that whenever the Roman army in 70 AD, this happened in about 68 AD, 70 AD, when they finally surrounded the city, there were no Christians left in Jerusalem. You understand what I'm saying here? because they listened to Jesus. If you were a Jew and you didn't believe in Jesus, you'd say, oh, those are the words of Jesus. Forget it. I'm not going to believe that. You know? but, the Jew, but the Christians, Jews who were Christians, they said, those are the words of Jesus. When you see, do it. Okay. So it's time to do it. And so they saw James slain. They saw the armies coming from the Romans. They said, it's time to get out of Jerusalem. There's going to be disaster here. And they were right because they believe the words of Jesus. Jesus' words are always right, folks, always. Praise God. Trust the Lord's word. Trust his word. That's, that's what faith is all about. And so they did it and they were spared. And so there was no Christians that were slain in, in that period of time. And uh, it goes on to say here, I'll read one other verse here in chapter 21, verse 23. But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, speaking of the, the Jewish people. And then they would be scattered throughout all the world and so forth. And so, but the Christians all fled from that. One other example I want to give you, and I'm still going back here to my notes. If you look at number three and number B underneath that one, you see that? This is three, and this is B. I know you can't read it up there, but on your paper you can. Anyone who came in and doesn't have a paper, look on with somebody, or maybe the ushers can give you one. But uh, under B, it says, the, f- the fleeing of the Christians from Pompeii in 79 AD. This is just nine years after Jerusalem was destroyed. The Christians, many Christians lived in Pompeii prior to the destruction of Mount Vesuvius. I have been to the ruins of Pompeii and I've been there and walked through the old streets. And how many of you, several of you I'm sure have been there in Pompeii? Have you been to Pompeii in Italy? In Italy, Anyhow, it's one of the most complete ruins of a city destroyed. It was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, which is a mountain. This, Pompeii is just south of Naples, I think it is. Naples, Italy. And, uh, and in 79 A.D., Mount Vesuvius blew, and that whole city was covered, and it just absolutely froze, not, not freezing, but burned to death, people, and it covered them. And when they went in and excavated, they found these people eating breakfast. They found them uh, running down the street, just locked in that position, absolutely just killed instantly by that. That, that volcano ash and stuff that covered that city. And they excavated the whole city. The interesting thing about it is that they also discovered that there was a large group of Christians in that city before it happened. And do you know what? The Christians left before Mount Vesuvius blew. The Christians left and they said, and I was, in, I was over there in a guide, Roman Catholic guide, a lady said to our group, we do not know why the Christians left, but apparently something warned them it was time to get out of here and they get in. There were no Christians slain in Pompeii. We know that, but we have evidence that that was Christians. You know who those Christians would have been in 79 AD? Jesus' name baptized, a Holy Ghost filled people, speaking in tongues I'm talking about. This is what happened in that early church. That's the way they, they, they walk with God and live for God. So I'm just pointing out to you, these people here were not in Pompeii when it's left. This is is evidence in Pompeii itself. And it's a very interesting place. Number C, look at this one. This is interesting. Uh, The saving of Christians in Indonesia. Now listen to me closely on this. In December of 2004, we're talking about modern times now. 2004, the tsunami, uh, when they went into the mountains to celebrate Christmas, the tsunami that hit Indonesia and killed over 100,000 people. Do you remember that flood, that tsunami, the earthquake, and the waters came into Indonesia and it literally killed over 100,000 people. Indonesia is mostly Muslim, but they have a large percentage of Christians as well. And at Christmas time, now listen to me closely, the reason that I know about this, it wasn't in the headlines. You didn't read about this in newspapers, it on TV. We know about it because uh, brother and sister Johnson, excuse me, <coughs> on a cruise got acquainted with an Indonesian young man who was a Christian from Indonesia and he was, uh, we got very acquainted with them and the next time that they went on a cruise, uh, they talked to, they, he was not on the cruise and they asked people, where is so-and-so? And uh, they said, he is back in Indonesia Because they've had that tsunami there, and he's very concerned. The next time they were on a cruise, he was on that cruise. They found out which one he was going to be on. In fact, they'd pick him up at Cape Canaveral sometime and bring him to church here. You know, and and, and everything. This is this was one Indonesian. He waited on tables and wanted clean rooms or whatever he did. I don't know. He was one of the servants on the cruise ship. Everything. And this is what he told them. He says, amazingly, no Christians died in that tsunami. And she said, Why? Because he said it happened at Christmas. Do you remember that? It happened at Christmas time. And what happens in Indonesia is that the Indonesian Muslims will not allow the Christians to celebrate Christmas uh, in their midst. So the Christians go up into the mountains to celebrate Christmas. And they had all gone into the mountains to celebrate Christmas when the tsunami hit, and no Christians died but the Muslims, that 100,000 people that were all Muslims. Now, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? That God has a way of always taking care of his people. He delivers us beforehand. So that you can always say, God, keep your hand on us and God will always be with us and he'll keep his hand on us and all these kind of things, amen. Now look at verse four here. I've got an error in in this sentence and I'm gonna straighten it out here for you. It's on your paper and I apologize for it. But it says, the church appears to be to already be in heaven in the symbolic form of the four and 20 elders uh, whenever this judgment came comes in Revelation. They appear to already be in heaven as described in Revelations 5, 8, and 9. They are referred to as having golden vials full of odors, that is fragrances, which are the prayers of the saints. I'll get to this verse in a minute, Revelations 5, 8, and 9. And then the next sentence here, and their songs states, and that should be, Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of our kindred. And that, that is a mistake in there. It says they were slain. That's not right. And their song was, and I think it was an effort to put first person language from the Bible into third person language in the English. And it was messed up there. So please forgive me for that error there. But. Uh, it should be in their song. And we're gonna read Revelations 5, 8, and 9 to get the real clear picture on it. So if you got your Bibles and you wanna turn over there to Revelations chapter 5. Everybody still with me. All right. Look at 5, 8, and 9. This is a description here of the elders that is in heaven whenever the Jesus takes the book out of the right hand of him who was on the throne, five and eight. And when he had taken the book this is that book of judgments now with seven seals. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. In other places where you read, it talks about the vials, which are the prayers of saints. So it's, it's, the, the, many Bible scholars believe that this four and 20 elders is a symbolic Number or symbolic term referring to the church who has already been raptured. Let me show you why. Let me show you why. Let me read on. Having every one of them golden vials full of odors, which are prayers of saints, and they sung a new song, saying, "Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain." This is where that uh, era is in your notes. For thou wast slain. Be finding it, here. for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God. Now that wouldn't be angels. The angels were not redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. And we know as Gentiles because it says, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So this has to be the Gentile church here and has made us under God kings and priests that we should reign on the earth. So what we're looking at here then is the Lord, praise the Lord, giving us another verse of scripture where that he delivered them. And this is the scripture, is this possible to the church? And it could possibly be so. Now let's talk to, let's look at verse five. There are Gentile martyrs who are saved out of tribulation in Revelation chapter six and seven. Now this is what we originally looked at. And if you have your Bible, go back to Revelation chapter six there. And I'm referring here to chapter six, verse nine. It says here, there are Gentile martyrs who are saved out of the tribulation periods chapter six and seven, but these are not the church because these are all described as slain. And the Bible says the rapture will be the dead in Christ and the alive in Christ. You, you, are you with me? Uh, you know, you, <laughs> you're nodding a little bit slow. The dead in Christ, in other words, the, the rapture would be the dead in Christ arise first and we which are alive and remain should be caught up. When you read chapter chapter six and nine through 11, and you read seven and nine through 14, these people are all slain. They're all dead. In other words, these are the slain in Christ. There's no alive in Christ here. So this could not be the rapture. And so it goes on to say here, it says, uh, the last verse here. This is verse 11 here in chapter 6. It says, "White robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said to them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also, also, and their brother that should be killed as they were, shall be fulfilled." And then over here, over here in this ninth verse of chapter 7, it describes it and it speaks about them, of course, being slain as they were. These people are all slain in the tribulation. So, who are these people? The tribulation saints. These are people who in the tribulation period try to seek the face of God and in order for them to have any measure of salvation and be saved, they have to give their life. They have to give their life. Nobody here is raptured away. The rapture is taken away, but God gives space to people who have a sincere heart, who possibly never knew all the truth. You know the truth. You know what you have to do to be saved. You've got to walk with God, and you've got to serve the Lord. You repent of your sin, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Get that gift, a bowel means. If that spirit that was in Christ dwelling in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. Without his spirit, we are none of his. We need his spirit. Amen. We are, that's dead in Christ. Now, with that spirit, praise the Lord, in us, then we're ready to meet the rapture, but a lot of people have a knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, but they don't know the truth like you know it. So perhaps the Lord gives a space for them likewise to get on board. And the thing about it is that whenever they are slain and they go to heaven, the Bible here says this in verse 15, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night. These people that are slain the tribulation are servants to the, to the Lord. You and I, folks, are the bride of Christ. You understand that in, in heaven, we will have the highest honor of anybody who's ever lived on the earth. If you will live for God and walk with the Lord and love him and keep his commandments and be faithful to the Lord, you'll have the, 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 you'll have the finest reward that God will give to any people or class of people on the face of this earth. Praise the Lord. And he, but we must do that. Must, be, must walk with him. But these people are brought and they are servants to the Lord. They serve him. They will serve him. So I tell you that so that your position of salvation is going to be higher than anyone else's. Praise the Lord. Now, and uh, let me answer a question. Many of you will say this. If I miss the rapture, can I just give my life in the tribulation period? If I miss the rapture, I'll just say I'll lay down my life. I'll just, you know, give it. I'll get down it later in my life. Well, let me give you a verse of scripture that'll show that you probably won't do that. You ready for that? All right. Will you look with me in uh, Jeremiah 12, 5? Jeremiah 12, 5. And there's always a few people that say, oh, well, I got something to think. Folks, you cannot outfigure God. Don't try to figure it all out. When I was a young man, I used to figure it all out. I thought, Lord, I'm just going to live for myself the way I want to live. Then when I get older and I get close to you know being old man or something like that, alternative for God be saved, you know. I had all figured out. Or if I but you never know. You never know when you're gonna go. You never know. You never know when it's gonna happen. And so folks think that way sometime, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. Don't do it that way. You can't outfigure God, you can't outsmart God. Look what it says here in Jeremiah twelve, five. If thou hast run with a footman, and they have wearied thee. Then how canst thou contend with horses? And before I go any further in that verse of Scripture, let me just say it like this: The Bible talks about how that we are in a foot race, Both First Thessalonians, I think, and also in Hebrews, uh, I mean First Corinthians and the Hebrews, it talks about us running this race with patience. You know that walking with God is like running a race. Run as though one receives the crown. I think in Hebrews it says. What I'm pointing out to you here is that walking with God, serving the Lord, Paul likened it unto running the race. It's a foot race. He likened it unto that. So here we are, we're running with the footman. But if we cannot run with the footman, how can you contend with the horses? Now look at Revelation chapter six, and there's the white horse, the black horse, the red horse, you know, the pale horse, and so forth. How can we contend with horses? so I'm saying this to you and this in the literal sense here, if you can't run with the footman, how can you run with horses and have any chance? What does all that mean, Brother Myers? If you can't live for God, when everything is going good for you, if you can't live for God, when we have a beautiful country that gives us the freedom of worship, if you can't live for God, when there's a day set aside for us to come to church and worship, if you cannot live for God when there's an air-conditioned building you can walk into, never have to worry about sweat and heat and all that stuff. If you can't live for God when there's padded pews, if you can't live for God where there's preaching and teaching and, and the word of God going forth and beautiful singing, I'm going to tell you, sometime I listen to our choir and I just want to go up there and hug every one of them. Just, I wish I'd get them all together and just hug them. They sing so beautiful. and They work so hard, so long to put out beautiful songs. And I hear that beautiful worship. You, God bless you people that may be in the choir in here. But the worship of our singing and the people that worship the Lord in this church, you won't find that anywhere. And you cannot live for God now. You will not lay down your life when the whole world is against Christianity and against godliness and against kindness and everything else. Today is the day of salvation, and then in this Jeremiah here, and I know my time's gone. In Jeremiah twelve five, when he gets through talking about the horses, he says here in the next part of that fifth verse, and if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest—that's his Palestine—they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? In other words, if you can't, if you can't cross. Jordan, when it's all eventide and everything is nice and everything is good and pleasant. How are you going to do it when the water is swollen? In other words, don't say, if I can't do it now, I'll do it later. You can't do it. It won't happen. This is Jeremiah. This is the word of the Lord in Jeremiah speaking. And I think it's appropriate for what we're talking about here today. Don't put off living for God, folks, whenever you can serve him today. Amen. And I just want to say here, uh, I think I've got here the last number here. The, the, the word church does not appear anymore in the book of Revelation until the very end of the book after Revelation 4. From Revelation 4 on, no more is mentioned about the church until you get to the end of the book of Revelation and it's sort of a wrap up and everything. Because there is no so forth church during that tribulation period of time. It is the judgments of God. It is the world. And some people will give their life and God will have a reward for them. But that's not the church. And if you think you may want to get in that number, uh, the the word's against you that you never do it. So walk with God, serve the Lord. Live for him, folks. The Lord's coming soon. And I'm going to tell you here, all that stuff going on in the world, eventually, sooner or later, something's going to happen. Can we stand together? Let's lift our hands and worship God and praise him. Would you do that with us right now? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify your name. Thank you for the word. Thank you for this wonderful class. Thank you for these wonderful people that love you and love your word and love your name. Jesus, we thank you for all that you do for us every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Remain standing as our musicians come at this time. God bless you.